It's a comic book pit. Okay. articles 
because I hadn't seen it. I'm like, I actually, this is a movie I actually want to be surprised about. Right. Or, you know, I want to legitimately enjoy without right. having things spoiled. So, um, so, so when I, you know, but uh, again, I, I didn't, you know, sometimes you, things get built up for so long and you hear it's awesome. And then when you see it or hear it or listen to whatever, it's not yeah. as good as you hoped it was going to be. Um, yeah. I don't think that was the case. But at the same time, I wasn't like I wanted to be just blown away, or I wanted to be. I thought I was just going to be just overwhelmed with joy at this movie. Like this was going to be just <laughs> such a breath of fresh air. Yeah. Compared to, I mean, and 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 it was compared to Suicide Squad and Batman v Superman. Um, but I thought it was just it was just okay. Like it, it like what. There were the parts of it that I really liked. I mean, and that it, it was for me, it was peaks and valleys. Okay. Like there would be, like the, I, I loved all the stuff on Themyscira in the beginning. Yeah. And then I felt like I I got bored when they tr- you know traveled to London and all the London stuff. And then it picked up again when they met. I guess their version of the Howling Commandos. Yeah. You know, they, they, they picked up their their three guys, the, the uh, Rat Pack. The yeah, the the um the Rat Pack Scotsman, the the American Rat Indian Pack. and the um the Middle Eastern guy. Yeah. They they picked them up and that was cool and there was the, the great big fight um on the front lines. It's you know, like this at this like this war torn village and that was amazing. That whole scene was just terrific. And then, yeah. And then I found myself getting bored again when they were actually at that village and kind of taking a rest. And then, oh, okay. So I, I, I just kept, you know, going up and down with this movie. And there were a couple points where I found myself kind of like my eyes were getting heavy, and uh, and, and I was not watching this late at night, Scott. I was watching this whoa. in the middle of the day. Yeah, I was watching this in the middle of the day. And I was sitting on the couch, and I was like, "Whew, I'm tired." You know? Yeah, but how many how many things did you watch before that? No, I don't nothing. Know. I'm just, I'm just. <laughs> no, um, and then and then and then at the very end, that was you know like the big the, the big finale. Um, the boss was, fight. Yeah, the boss fight. Um, was good, but then but then it also I felt like it turned like visually and thematically turned into a giant like it it I feel like all of the like DC movies eventually um just boil down to okay let's have a giant fight and throw rubble at each other. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's just like yeah. giant like yeah. And um um yeah and I so it was enjoyable enough. I mean and I, I thought everyone who was in it was excellent. You know, I mean, I thought everybody, like Gal Gadot was amazing, Chris Pine, um, the the guys who played Pally Commandos, even like the woman that played the the secretary. Oh was yeah, just adorable. Do you know who she you know? was? Yeah, she's um the the original from Shaun of the Dead. Oh, I was gonna say oh, that's right. She was in that. I was gonna say she was in the the original uh, UK Office. Yes, that as well. 
Yep. She was she was the UK she office. Was the, yeah, she was the Pam Beasley character. Yeah. And she was yeah, and she was in Shaun of the Dead. That's right, um, I as, forgot about the, that. The girlfriend like the girl that was like friends that Yeah, she was like the, the actress. Yeah, yeah. But I, I uh, did not recognize her in Wonder Woman at all because I, I kind of went in like the same way with the blinders on. So I didn't really mm-hmm. try to see who was the cast and everything either. Oh, yeah. She and, uh, she looked way different. And I'm sure yeah. a lot of that was for that the movie. Awesome. Like, I, I don't think she – because she looked a little, like, kind of pudgy. Like, she had mm-hmm. put some weight on. But I, I don't think that's actually her. I think that's just – how they but made was, her look. I think previously, too, she was a blonde in this one. She's, you know, brunette with, oh, like, yeah. you know, different hair yeah. and everything and different clothing and yeah, the whole the whole look. Um, and, and, but, yeah, I thought, and, what a transformation. I thought that was good. Oh, yeah. But, um, yeah, um, like I said, I was just kind of like, eh, okay. So I saw I'll that. Give you, I, I, I see what you're saying. But I'm gonna try to. I don't know. I thought it was. I thought it was great. Actually, I thought it was probably the best superhero movie of the year. Mm-hmm. I mean, not that there was been a ton, but but like that versus like Guardians of the Galaxy. I thought it had Guardians of the Galaxy. Like visually was was killing it. Um, Guardians two. I mean. Um, yeah. But I thought that Wonder Woman had more of a story, so that made it a better movie, you know, because it had more of a, yeah. an actual story. I'll, yeah, no, um, I'll, 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 yeah, no, I'll, I'll agree with that. And I yeah. think, you know, with Guardians, and I think well, uh, Spider Man would be the other something. Oh yeah, Spider Man, yeah. You know, those I were. I like Wonder Woman the best. But go ahead, yeah, I w- keep going. Well, I was just gonna say like. We're 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 familiar with Guardians and Spider Man. Like, like seeing a seeing a Guardians movie or a Spider Man movie is is familiar. It's like seeing an old yeah. friend. You're we're, you're comfortable with them. And I think with DC movies, just in general, we're we're always on guard because we don't know what we're going to get. Mm-hmm. And I think we're conditioned to expect the worst now. Um, yeah. Well, I think and, that's what it is. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Well, I was just going to say, like, I, I, I knew going in that Wonder Woman was already going to be better, like, even without seeing it. Even, yeah. even before it came out, before all the good reviews came in, I had a feeling it was already going to be better than what we had seen. Yeah. Because after seeing Batman v Superman and Suicide Squad, the only place to go was up. Oh, yeah, for sure. So... Yeah, I, I I just feel like it was um yeah it was going to be good no matter what, but it just it you know com- in comparison to the other DC movies, but it actually yes it was a good movie. Like I said, I just felt like for me personally the the yeah. it, it it wasn't it didn't feel as balanced to me as I, I you know as I think it could have been. Yeah, I thought it. Like, uh, let's see. Like they they started out at a good place. Like they, you know, they they gave her like a good origin, you mm-hmm. know. Um, and 
you know, and it was different than the comics a little bit, but I bought, I was like, I'm buying into this. And then, um, let's see. I thought that like where you, like when they were in London and it seemed like the plot was getting slow, I thought it was, and I'm going to use this word. It was delightful. (laughs) (laughs) No, I will, I will, I will concede that. No, I, I, there were parts of it I, I enjoyed because you had the whole fish out of water angle. Where exactly. You, and like, she was like, she was like a cat. Like she was like, what's this? What, you know, what does this do? What is this? And it was like, mm-hmm. great. And he's basically trying to steer her without, you know, and it made it really like more like a classic romance, you know, like a, like a, a movie you would have seen in the like the fifties or sixties. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, where they were kind of finding their romance and, you know, just by being kind of cute with each other. And, um, and, but she was like, you know, an unstoppable force. And, and he, he, all he could do was try to point her in the right direction. But, you know, there were parts where, like, when they were like, oh, we're going to, um, you know, we're in this, you know, in the, oh, I forget what they call that now. It's World War One, but it's like a, you know, it was the wastelands, you know, where they... Oh, the uh, she, uh, no, uh, no Man's Land. No Man's Land, yeah. She was like, no, I'm just going through that. Oh, that was you know, great and it when was, she, uh, she kind of just, like, went up that ladder and just... She had the hero pose. Like, fire. Yeah. Yeah. She, she kind of rallied the troops. Yep, turned the whole tide. I mean, I was feeling it. I was like, this, yeah. is, this is powerful stuff right here. Yeah. And I, then... Oh, yeah, um, well, when... When when they go into the town and they're fighting and she's like flipping tanks and yeah, I, see, I almost a... wish we had seen more battle scene, like more maybe like more of a montage of her in world. See, oh I, yeah, kind of like how Cap was where they had some montages. Yeah, see, I I guess yeah. going in, I thought this was going to be her just fighting in World War One, not necessarily like there was a specific mission. Yeah, because you know there was obviously like a specific mission they were on to stop the 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 Germans and Dr. Poison and um yeah. but yeah I, I, I think um, I would have liked to have seen more maybe a, a little bit more of her like in battle. Yeah. I like the um I like the reveal of Ares. Um I did suspect him at some part of the movie. You know, when he kind of pulled her aside and took note of something that I was like, okay, what's his deal? You know, mm-hmm. like, why did he, why did he say that? You know, like there's something right. off with this guy. And, um, he, you know, and then, um, the big, the big boss battle fight at the end, a lot of people complained about that, but I, I was like, what do you want? It's a, you know, it's a superhero movie, you know? Um, you know, for any of them, it's it's the Iron Man formula. You know, where he fights uh, mm-hmm. Jeff Bridges. You know, and it starts from there, and they everybody knows that that's how you wrap up a superhero movie. And um, <laughs> you know, most of the time, anyway, where Guardians likes to do some anticlimactic kind of stuff too, but uh, <laughs> you know, with dancing, <laughs> but it. Um, well, see, and, 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 but, yeah. and that worked because they, they turned the formula on its head. Right. You know, right. It worked they, because they, of that movie. Yeah. It, I, I don't think anyone, any other character or movie could have done that except Guardians. Like, they 
they, right. they they took every expectation and flipped it. Right. And um, I'm trying to think what else about Wonder Woman. Um, oh, my other my other assessment is like why why too? I'm like this is a great movie. Um, but at the same time, you know, where you were not as excited about it, I can understand that. It's because that's the first DC movie that I feel rose up to the level that Marvel's been getting giving us. Mm-hmm. So like Marvel, Marvel's always turning in an A paper, you know, A plus, A you know, or A minus, A papers. And uh, this is the first one from DC where they're like. And you know it's kind of it is kind of surprising, but at the same time you're like, is this really an A? I don't know. You know. <laughs> I guess and, if, but, if you're if, but you, I, if you're grading it on a curve, it is. Yeah. But like stepping back from, I'm like, this is an A. Like I like the um, I like the uh, um, yeah, Gal, and um, I forget his name, Kirk. Oh, Chris Pine. <laughs> Chris Pine. I, I forgot one of the Chris's. Um, but you know, like their their um, banner, and you know, they fed off of each other, you mm-hmm. know, as, in the leading, you know, and ultimately, though, I did, I was like, this is Wonder Woman's movie. I didn't feel like Chris Pine stole it, like a lot of people had said. Well, um, I think if if Gal Gadot had been a lesser actress or like a lesser, yeah. had lesser screen presence. Yes, he would have stolen the movie. As he would it have is. because yeah. yeah, but but Gal, I mean, anytime she showed up, I mean, you just couldn't help but be drawn to her because right. she was, she has such presence on the screen. Exactly. Yeah, like it's like they put they put Chris Pine in there almost as like a like he's like the moon, you know, and she's the sun, you know, like to get mm-hmm. all poetic, but uh. But like, if he's bright, she's brighter, you know. Like, yeah, and and it works, you know. Where let's let's find the two most beautiful people on the planet and yeah. put them in a movie together. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no. So I, I yeah, I, I thought it was uh, very well made. Very, and I I also like the period piece, and I like that it was an or you know the origin was done right. Mm-hmm. And I even like that they tied it into, oh, I know what the other thing was, the, um, you know, pointing back towards Batman v Superman. Um, when she fought Doomsday, like watching her fight Ares at the end of this movie credits her to fight Doomsday. You know, like she mm-hmm. fought a god on her first fight out. Like in the world, she fought the like the god of war. So like when she faces off against Doomsday, it's like thinking back now. I'm like that makes sense. Like she's like, mm-hmm. you know, this is this is what I've you know, I haven't had a fight like this in sixty, seventy years or whatever it's been or eighty <laughs> years. You yeah. know, like no, that's true. And she that's was excited. Point. So then I, I was like, see, to me that like even though it was like maybe a, a cheesy boss battle. I thought that it le- lended to the uh, the overall narrative. Mm-hmm. Use a fancy word. <laughs> so anyway, that's my uh, well. I, I would five I would cents probably if, if I were going to equate it with like a Marvel movie, I would say, and I mean, 
and it seems kind of on the nose because they're practically the same movie in a sense. I would say they're it's it's equal to or greater than Captain America, the first Avenger. Yeah, first Avenger. I agree. Yeah. And I it's I probably was, on par with that. I still think that's one of the best Marvel movies. Mm-hmm. Like that's why I, that's why I'm holding Wonder Woman up that like that because it really did remind me of that one. Yeah, and um, I think Wonder Woman's going to stand the test of time. It's you know it, it it was like kind of their Iron Man in mm-hmm. that it was it was a great standalone yeah origin movie. Finally. You didn't yeah you didn't have to know. Um, Sixty years, seventy years worth of of continuity. Yeah, yeah. You could just go in and enjoy. Like that's a movie that anyone could watch. And and that's what that's what Marvel's been doing from day one is they've been making accessible movies. Yeah, you don't have to be a complete like fanboy to enjoy. You can just go in and sit down and watch it. So and I think that's that's a great strength of the Wonder Woman film. Oh, and that actually just to just to anger anybody that's like totally DC fan, but um, did you <laughs> see that it was actually a Marvel Comics writer that wrote Wonder Woman? And I can't I can't remember the guy's name offhand. Really? Who? Yes. Um, hold on, see if I can get it here. I did not notice that or hear that. I saw it at the end of the movie when they said who, you know, they said written by, and it was um. Alan Heinberg. Oh, well, yeah. Well, well, you know, well, because he he did write some Wonder Woman too. He did, he did, yeah. and it's good stuff too. But I was yeah. just like, oh, he wrote Marvel stuff, so that's why. No, yeah, that's true. Maybe that's me. Maybe that's my bias. But, um, <laughs> I mean, I like the DC stuff now, but you know, I was always a Marvel guy. But uh, but yeah. yeah he wrote uh, he wrote Young Avengers, I think. Uh, I believe or, I believe you're right. Was that what it was? Let's see if I can find it. Yeah, I think he did. He wrote some Avengers, Avengers versus X Men. Mhm. Uh, can't find the rest. And he was one of those people that he was a, a novelist yeah. prior to doing uh, comics. Mhm. Yeah, Young Young Avengers was one of my favorite titles too. I think that's why yeah. the name stood out to me. So. That was some good stuff. Mhm. So there you go. It's like they got a they got a tried and true comic book writer. You know, <laughs> not not to pick a camp, but I mean this guy, you know, and it was like, yes, that's what you need. You know, like that is the that's exactly what you need is yep. to start out with someone that understands the characters. Yep. Not not a director that is really good at flashy scenes, but not good at content. Not saying any names, Zach, but, uh, yeah. Cool. So anyway. <laughs> so now, um, onto something a little more recent. Speaking of, so, you know, you kind of brought up Marvel. Um, so you yeah. wanted to talk about what, <laughs> what did Marvel do over its summer vacation? Yeah, yeah, it was just something we were talking about last week that kind of that since it got lost, um, and it seems like it's still going to be a topic. But you know, Marvel's just been doing a lot of backpedaling because they were trying to go with a, um, 
what do they call that? Um, more, you know, books that were more accessible to more, you know, to women, to other, you know, um, ethnics, ethnicities. Mm-hmm. You know, like they're just trying to reach out, and by and by doing that, like it's like which is a good idea. You know, why not? You got to, you know, they're doing your market. They're they're trying to diversify, basically. Diversify. That's the word. But um. Yeah, they were trying to reach out, but basically now, um, because they kind of they took a dump all over their original characters because they were like, they were like, well, now we have Ironheart, um, so we can't have an Iron Man, like he's out, he's in a, you know, he's in like near death situation and he's out of the commission, and then they have. You know Amadeus Cho, who becomes the Hulk, and then they're like Bruce Banner's dead because we can't have the Hulk. You know, and then they brought out you know brought She Hulk, and they're like, oh she's she's the Hulk, and it was like you can't Bruce Banner's gone. He you know it's almost like he's never ever here. And then they're like, and Captain America is a Nazi, <laughs> and and then they're like, and Thor, he's not Thor anymore. It's a woman now, and it Thor's was like unworthy. Yeah, he's the unworthy. So you shouldn't even give him a title anymore. Like, don't, you know, which they did, but whatever. But, like, the whole thing is now they've experienced the backlash because all the old fans are like, don't tell me, you know, don't tell me who to like. Like, I like my characters, and you're telling me I should like these new characters, and it's like, I don't I don't want to. You know, <laughs> just like anybody would be like, I don't care if it, you know. I don't want to eat porridge, you know, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> but uh, so now they are trying. It seems like they're trying to correct that because, from what we were talking about at work today, um, Brian had mentioned this, but he he was like, basically, the movie studio people were like, you know, like Disney or whoever is like, man, this movie stuff is awesome. Um, what are you guys working on in the comics? Because we need more ideas for the movies. And they're like, oh, you're going to love this. It's it's all diversity now. And they're like, sounds great. And they're like, well, let's see the numbers. And the numbers are horrible. So then they're like, well, why isn't Iron Man in the Iron Man book anymore? I mean, he's our number one character. And they're like, uh, because diversity? <laughs> you know? And so now they're like, no, bring... They're like, bring them all back. Like, they're pretty much told Marvel, uh, stop that. You know, like, they're like, you can continue to have the new characters, but you can't you can't get rid of the old characters, which is, I think, what we were talking about last week is that, and, and what I really feel they should have done in the first place is, is that they could have had them uh, work together. You know, they could have had Tony Stark and Ironheart, you know, um, she could have been learning from him. And then he would have been like, hey, I'm busy. You do this mission, you know. And then the book kind of, that, you know, that though that issue of the book is about her. And then, like, it comes back to whatever Tony's doing. And, you know, they do it in, like, a tandem kind of thing until the audience is willing to have two people in suits, which they have before, so, but that's what I, I don't know, it, or, you well, know, or, like, have, have the, 
Bruce Banner and, and Amadeus Cho run together, but instead they were like, they immediately started Cho's book with Banner's gone. You know, just, what? what? <laughs> like, what, where did he go? And they're like, oh, you have to read till issue five to find out that he's not in the book now. And it's like, what? You know, no. it's jarring. So is, is that what they're trying to do, do with, I, I haven't read any of these yet, um, the, these generations one shots. Yeah. Is that what they're trying to yeah, do? They're, like they're trying to bridge the gap between the current yeah. legacy character and like the original legacy character. I think that's the first step to them trying to write the ship because because they got in trouble. But uh, mm-hmm. I think that that was their first step towards um, recognizing the the old characters. And and I think this is what Colin had told me because I didn't really read the books myself, um, but they um, are meant to teach the younger, you know, new generation about the older character. So so Cho experiences Bruce Banner as, you know, he's like, this isn't a blessing, it's a curse. Where Cho looks at it as a blessing. Oh, he thinks it's awesome. Oh, yeah, he's totally awesome Hulk. But yeah, or, they had the title "Totally Awesome Hulk." Yeah, yeah, and that's his. Yeah, those are his words. You know, he thinks that. Um, but Bruce is like, no, it's awful. You know, and like so with that, with that one shot issue, now Amadeus understands that. Like he, not that he's going to become that, but he understands his predecessor. Mm-hmm. So, and I think that's what they're trying to do with the, all the books is to have that. Uh, well, so that they can compare, and it's something they could have just done in the regular issues. That's what bugs me about it, I guess. You know, that's it, stuff it, that could have developed. Yeah, yeah. Well, it seems to me like, and the other thing that they're doing to see to try and, you know, um, mend relations with the uh, with older readers is returning to all the books original numbering. Yeah, yep, that's the other thing. That's the other mending fences with the old readers. Um is yeah, Which to, you know, the the old nerd in me is kind of happy to see that. Yeah. You know, e- even though I'm never going to go back and you know, the, the, there isn't any one title that I collect that I would be like, "Oh, now I have to go back and fill all these holes from all these different series that I didn't collect." Right. From. Captain right. America or Iron Man or whatever, but um, right. that it, it, it kind of makes me feel good to know that they're recognizing these characters and their books and their longevity that they've been, you know, that Captain America has been going for 672 issues or something. Yeah. Yeah, but, I think the um. I, I you know I I I thought they never should have left the numbering because I I think it's just bragging rights when you're like you know yeah it's Thor issue 870 you know like <laughs> oh my god you know and you think about like oh my god this title's been around for this you know if you divide by 12 it's been around this long blah 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 you know it's exciting um, yeah. like Savage Dragon 
Savage Dragon's still doing numbering, you know, unchanged, and so is Spawn, and it's it's cool. I like it, and I well, don't. It, I, it because it 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 means something. Yeah, you know, it's a it, it, it's a mark of, I think, hard work and progress, and you know, all those things, <laughs> dedication and building something, you know. Yeah, and instead of chasing down, like I think, because a lot of it, there's probably two two things I could think why they would do the renumberings. Obviously, they get a bump in sales whenever they have a number one, um, which that's just, yeah, that's a business reason. Um, and then what's my other reason? No, I can't remember. <laughs> um, why would they do a number one? <laughs> I forget. Anyway. Well, what did you say? I mean, to um, bring bring new people in and like a jumping off point. No, that's what that that is why because because people they're like, oh well, hey, it's a great jumping on point with issue one. Mm-hmm. Um, but I never needed that as a as a reader. Like mm-hmm. when I started reading comics, you know, X Men was I can't even think of what issue it was on, but it was like two hundred and forty. Four, I think, but it didn't matter to me when it started. You know, and Daredevil was the same way. Spider Man, like I didn't, or even like um, yeah, you just picked up comic because yeah, yeah, you just picked you up look comics at the number because you, because you like them. I mean, yeah, same thing. Like I picked up like my first comic was Uncanny X Men two oh seven, and yeah, I had no idea what was going on, but. But from that issue, you know, I kept going, and I and it's like you learn and you you talk to other people that, you know, I mean, we, I, I feel like this was kind of a good thing. Like we didn't have the internet, we didn't have Wikipedia, we couldn't go back and see, read about what came before. But I, I think that made us more open to trying new new books because we didn't have that safety net to fall back on. Like yeah, like now if if you are interested in a comic, you can just Google it. And if it, you know, yeah. if it sounds good, great. If not, you're like, oh, well, I'm not even going to try that because it, it sounds like it sucks. Yeah. But, and... but maybe it doesn't. And, or maybe you'll discover, you know, maybe the issue's not great, like the art's not great, but you like the writer or vice versa. Maybe the story sucks, but you love the artist and you start following that artist. You know, there's, right. there's lots of reasons to... You would just hop over. Just but it never needed. Something. Yeah, you never needed a number one to tell you to do that. Like exactly. you could just, you would just do it instinctively. Like, you know, yeah, like Sam Keith. Oh, Sam Keith is drawing Marvel Comics presents. I'm buying that. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's, you know, what is it? Oh, it's like a book with four different stories in it. Oh, that's cool. Okay, I'll just keep buying that. You know, like I didn't need, I didn't need to buy issue one. I just bought the ones that had Sam Keith. And then, like, oh, the other stories that may have been 26 issues long, I would just decide I'd either read them or I would go back and buy some back issues, which made it fun. It made it great for the retailers, too. Yeah, and like, and, 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 and there was always that kind of crossover. Like, you know, you'd be reading – say you're reading a Spider-Man comic, and in the background, Spider-Man – or, you know, Spider-Man sees Thor flying off and – yeah. And he thinks, oh, I wonder where Thor's going. And then, and then in the editor's note, 
to see what where Thor's going, <laughs> check out Thor number three seventy four. And you know, sometimes that you're like, oh, I think I will check that out. Yeah. And you know, there's it yeah, fun. it was just it, it was just fun to make those connections and to learn what you liked and what you didn't like on your own. Yeah. And they never had to tell you, like, I, maybe maybe I'm wrong about this, but it didn't. It seemed like they didn't have to tell you that. Um, don't read next issue until you read this other issue of this other book. Like, yeah, that never really happened back in the day. No, but like nowadays, like um, with Secret Empire, that was like you have to read the next issue of Thor before you read the next issue of Secret Empire or whatever. Oh, yeah. And I was like, I'm like, so I'm not many... doing that. So many events now yeah. are, you know, the, the the story is contingent on you reading a a, a designated order of events or, or order of issues. It's not necessarily yeah. numerical. It's it's whatever the company decides. This is how yeah. we're going to put this story out. And yeah. if you're only getting, you know, there there have been a lot of events where. Like I'm only interested in the main event book, and yeah, re- I'll, I'll miss chunks. I, I, you know, I, this reminds me of uh, what was um, Spider Verse a couple of years ago. I think you, me, and Jared, we were all reading Spider Verse, and I was only getting yeah. like the main Spider Verse issues. But I think you guys were getting like more. You guys were reading more than I was, and yeah, I. I think we were talking about a Spider-Verse issue and I said something like, well, I don't even understand this or who this guy was. And one, you or Jerry were like, oh, well, you had to read, you know, this spider book in order to know who that guy is, who is yeah. like, very important to the story. And I'm like, oh, well, well, that's great. <laughs> you know, so yeah. that kind of puts a damper on, on your reading enjoyment because it's like, if if you can't trust what you're reading, then you're you're not gonna you're not gonna want to invest in it. You're not gonna want right. to invest in it either, like by buying it, or you're not gonna want to invest your your personal feelings, like your enjoyment of it. You're, right. you, you might just flip through and be like, well, I just wanted to buy this issue so I'd have the whole set. Yeah, and that's where it ends. <laughs> so it's like, are you <laughs> at that point? Are you buying it to enjoy it or buying it? because you already bought the first three issues and you want to have all eight or nine or 10 or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Frustrating. Uh, yeah. So anyway, um, hopefully Marvel, um, you know, finds their way back to, you know, some sensible yeah. way to do things. I, yeah. You know, hopefully they, they take a cue from, from their distinguished competition. Yeah. And um, just start having fun again the way DC is. I mean, DC seems like they're having the time of their life. DC is? Yeah, they're having a blast. And I, honestly, I feel like, I, you know, as a Marvel, you know, being a Marvel fan first in my life, you know, but I feel that that metal story is is something that Marvel should have come up with, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, but DC came up with it, and it's like, this is awesome. So you know, and I'm, you know, and that's what Scott Snyder, the the good Snyder, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, uh, the, the 
the Snyder that works for DC that we actually like. Yeah, the one that writes. <laughs> <laughs> Not the one that, like, blows shit up in slow motion. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, I guess uh, okay. moving on, uh, I guess we can actually talk about some comics. What do you think? We haven't talked about what? <laughs> some actual we'll comics? Talk, yeah, let's talk about specific comics. Yeah. Very specific comics. Yeah. Um, well, I'll I'll go first, I guess. So, I read. Uh, it's it's been a while since I read any anything from Valiant, and I I, I really liked Valiant, but I feel like I've dropped off significantly um, over the past couple of years, like to the point where the only book I was keeping up with was um, Ninjack. Oh yeah. yeah. But um I read the uh first issue of a book called War, War Mother. I every time I say War, War Mother, Mother, I feel like I I feel like I'm saying warm weather. <laughs> but it's Wow, it's a, yeah, it's totally the same War, thing. War Mother. It's War Mother, not War Warm Mother. Weather. Um so War Mother number 1 uh, by Fred Van Lente and Steven Segovia with this crazy awesome cover by David Mack, believe it or not. Oh, I, nice. I feel like I haven't seen David Mack in a long time. No. And I'm not, I'm actually not a huge fan. I mean, I like David Mack stuff. Okay. I don't, I don't go gaga over it like a lot of people, right. Do, but right. I thought this cover was, was really good. Um, <clears throat> now, so War Mother takes place, I guess, in the far-flung future. Um, a couple of years ago, Valiant had this event called 4001 AD, I think. Um, I didn't read it, but it's this. It was this future event, and and like I said, I didn't read it, so I know nothing about it. Yeah. yeah. But I I guess this uh, book, the War Mother, takes place in that Valiant future. And I didn't really know that going in. Um, huh. I, yeah, really didn't know anything about this book. There's a, there's a short recap on the first page that uh, this woman named Anna, a.k.a. War Mother, is mm-hmm. the protector of this um, community called The Grove. And she's kind of like the, the, the head warrior and like the, the chief resource collector for the city and and she's kind of she's she's the one that gets it done she's the physical person like she's you know she she does all the fighting and whatever um yeah and i guess in the 4008 4001 ad storyline um she butted heads with the community's ruler and there was a conflict, and she actually killed this this ruler. And you th- you know you think everything's going to be great, but it turns out that um, this leader that she killed was actually very uh, integral in keeping the community together, as far as like keeping it fed and keeping it happy. And so now she's in this she's in this position of not only having to 
still be the the protector of these people, but also be a leader and having yeah. to answer for things that she doesn't know how to answer to. Because, I mean, really all she knows is, you know, she knows fighting, she knows tactics, she knows weapons, um, and, she, you know, she knows how to protect people, but as far as, you know, how to feed um, a group of people, families, children, et cetera, you know, how to keep them happy and fed and productive, um, it's all new to her. So yeah. this was this was kind of interesting. And, um, you know, and she goes on this, there's, um, there's uh, kind of this rumor, almost like a urban myth of this um, this structure far off past the jungle where they live that is supposed to have you know be safe and have resources and food. So she goes to you know the the, the people just want to like mass exodus and they're like screw this we're out of here. You know it's got to be better than than it is now and you know, she says, I'll go first and let you know. And it, it goes on from there. I don't want to spoil it too much because it was actually yeah. a pretty good first issue. I, I think it's it's well worth reading. Um, it's some pretty good, it's some pretty good sci-fi. It's, um, yeah. it's not like hard sci-fi. It's more like a, um, I hesitate to say post-apocalyptic, but it's like, it's it's far enough into the future where it's like there are, you can tell it's structures from previous, like, it's old buildings that are kind of grown over and kind of rotting and falling apart. But yeah. you can tell that at one point it was like an office building or an apartment building or a mall. Um, uh, so okay. it's so far into the future that the cities are, are now jungles or are now grown over. You know? Nice. So, and there's, and there's, you know, different levels of threats that have grown along with you know just the nature there's so there's there's different threats that you know we wouldn't be used to or the people wouldn't be used to um so uh, and you know kind of going back to talking about jumping into a, a book without really knowing its backstory i feel like war mother number one uh hits that because like i said it I, I um I think a bulk of this back this backstory was told in the four thousand one AD event, which I didn't read, but I was still able to pick this up, read it and enjoy it and still glean enough information from the writing and from the from the script and the dialogue to understand what right. was going on. So Nice. Okay. Yeah. I'd I'd suggest trying it if you know, if you're interested in um, something different, a little bit of, you know, a little bit of uh, sci-fi and the, yeah. And it, and it really doesn't have it like, as far as I can tell, it's it's you know valiant, but I don't think there were any ties. At least in this first issue, there's like zero ties to anything else. Oh, yeah. Valiant. So you can just read it. Yeah. So you can cold. read it without, yeah, without knowing anything else about any valiant stuff. Nice. Well, I will have to look for it now. Yeah. It just came out? Like, uh, um, I think it came out maybe last week, maybe two weeks ago. Okay. But but not not longer than two weeks. Nice. Yeah. And the, the, right. the, the, 
the art, I think you would really like the art. The art's really nice. Oh, dang it. <laughs> why you going, why, why you always got to upsell me on this stuff? Ching, ching, ching. Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't buy enough already. <laughs> oh, I was just looking real quick, but yeah, it was one of the free comic book day comics as well. Oh, okay. Oh, interesting. Yeah, there it is. Okay, little David Mack. All right. Yeah, you see the see the cover. Yeah. All right. <laughs> uh, yeah. Totally random. I don't know if you can hear that at all, but somewhere, some someone outside of my house in my neighborhood is shooting off fireworks. Oh, is that what that is? Because that because that happens in early September. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Goofy people. Fireworks. Yeah. Because why not? Yeah. Maybe it's a special night at Kennywood, and no, I don't know. They're <laughs> not at Kennywood, though. Um, all right. So let's see. I, as you know, I read a lot of Star Wars books. What? Yeah. Since when? (laughs) Yeah, since when? Um, Oh, man, which one should I talk about? I got to talk about the new issue of the main title, Star Wars, number 35. Um, And the cover, right off the bat, is very eye-catching. But this is Star Wars... Um, in the era between New Hope and Empire Strikes Back, and um, but the cover is Han and Chewie um, escorting what looks like Jabba the Hutt by a chain, um, like a really like this cover just jumps out at me. I don't know why, but I think well I do know why. I think it's because um, Salvador La, La Roca is the artist mm-hmm. on this book. And um, Jason Aaron is writing it. I mean, it's just been, it's been a solid run in general. But uh, uh, Salvador's um, uh, version of Han Solo is so screen accurate that it actually takes me out of the book. Like, it is, like the way he illustrates Han Solo's face and expressions are so realistic that the rest of the page falls apart to me, even though it's excellently, it's expertly drawn and excellent in every panel and everything mm-hmm. is well drawn. It's just that when he draws Harrison Ford, he draws Harrison Ford. I've, um, I've actually heard that criticism. Of, it's like, man. Yeah. It's just like crazy how, and like, in the same panel, like, um, all right, so it's not Jabba, but they have to basically transport another hut on the Falcon. And Han doesn't want to do it, but it's for the rebellion. And he's like, yeah, yeah. Um, but he agrees hey, to it. I'm, 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 I'm looking at the preview pages on, on Marvel.com, and it's like, oh, yeah, these are... Yeah, I mean, those, just yeah, looking, those at, are looking like, at Han, like really light, light boxed. It's great, like the way they colored it as well. 
Like it's mm-hmm. you know, like the tonal values on on his face are just like crazy good. And then and then you look in the back and there's this hut who looks like a flat two dimensional character in comparison. Um even though it's well drawn, you know. You know, they they even got his uh chin scar. Yeah. Yeah, I mean they went it, it's it's weird. Um but I, I still dug it, but I was just like my God, like the one there's one scene halfway through the book where he is uh he's grinning and it's kind of like one of his faces that he throws in Indiana Jones. Um, <laughs> I'm just like, man, oh man. But uh, so, uh, but like getting away from that, um, just taking this book for what it is, like it's it's actually a, a self-contained issue. Um, mm-hmm. It's a it's a special mission that um, Mon Mothma picks Han to transport um, this this hut to a, a new prison for the rebellion. And he doesn't want to do it, but then he eventually agrees to it. Um, of course, the, the, as the huts do, they, he tries to bargain. He tries to make deals with, with uh, Han. And the twist at the end of the book is that Han actually was playing him the whole time, like, you know, like Black Widow style. Um, he he gives up, this hut gives up his safe house. When he thinks that he has control of the Falcon, he's like, set the course for this planet. And then Han's like, I think we got all we need here. And then, um, you know, meanwhile had a booby trap set, you know, on the on the hut the whole time. And uh, he's like, he goes, we, we knew you would never give up you know, your intel to us. So he's like, so I played you to to give it up, you know, by letting you think you had the upper hand. And uh, and then, you know, so then he just zaps his hut a few more times because he's Han Solo. And he's like, yeah. He's like, so, he's like, so we'll go back to base now. And uh, they got what they needed. And it was like, it was like a, a showcase of, uh, Han Solo, the, the scoundrel, and uh, Han Solo, the rebellion hero, you know, and like where, and like it was well placed in his his timeline as well as a, uh, um, yeah, as a hero and a, and not sure if he's all in for the rebellion. Um, and they allude to his uh, interest in Leia, which is kind of funny. Um even Mon Mothma throws it in there. Because um, uh, Gracchus is the is the hut, but she's like, Gracchus could help us end this war, and the sooner we end it, the sooner we will all be safer, smugglers and princesses alike. And he's like, what's that supposed to mean? It means we need your help. And she's like, he's like, yeah, but why did you say? And then she just cuts him off. And, uh, and then uh, at the end of the book, he's like, He's like, why do I stick around? <laughs> yeah. he, he's like, I, you know, when I could be, uh, you know, away from this whole thing, you know, can't be the money that keeps me hanging around. The pay is terrible, you know, and uh, and I don't really believe in causes. 
he's like, but there's something that keeps me around these rebels. And then he's like, maybe because I'm an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) He goes, definitely no other explanation. But it was almost like, he's like, yeah, maybe I'm interested in, you know, um, you know, that the the rebellion's like family to him. So, um, but I I thought it was really well drawn, well written and well drawn book. So, Cool. I mean, it, it, it does sound like a good story. I mean, I, I would kind of want to read it despite all the uh... <laughs> all the oh, ultra realistic on on yeah. <laughs> And they've done that before in the book, where um, certain issues of the book are just like, my God, what? How did you? You know, it's like, did you just Photoshop their face into this panel? Like, what? You know. And like the rest of the panel looks flat in comparison, mm-hmm. but um, I, I yeah, think but... though, I, I was gonna say I'm a, I'm a big fan of um, John Tyler Christopher's art, mm-hmm. um, and he does all the action figure covers that you see for Marvel. Oh yeah yeah yeah, I like those. Yeah yeah, and he does that realistic, he does really good realistic portraits, and um. I think that Salvador could be that next guy. I think that's, I actually think that's why he's doing it. Just to be like, look how real I can make people look. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. like, you know, like give me one of those cush jobs where I'm doing covers all the time instead of, you know, grunt work. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. Well, it's funny, you you know, if you, if if you look back at his, the, the evolution of his style, you know, uh, from, from the '90s, like the late '90s through the 2000s, to now, I mean, it's it, it's like a, just a complete 180. Yeah. Yeah, I'll have to. Like I remember, he did. I feel like one of the first things I saw him in, he did the he did the Bishop miniseries. Oh yeah, yeah. I think that was him. And um, yeah, I think you're right. He did some X Men stuff back. Wow, yeah, it is different. Yeah, he did a lot of X-Men. Like, I think he, he did um, Extreme X-Men. I think when that started, I think he was... Either he started it or he mm-hmm. was on it at some point. But, you know, he had a very traditional style. For, yeah. You know, for comics. And now it's it's definitely more of a... I, I don't know if it's, you know, the... You know, he's he's probably doing a lot more digital. Like everyone. Well, it could is. be that, too, yeah. But I, I wonder if he's just leaning on that more. I mean, I'm sure he's doing some traditional pencils. Yeah. But, I, I mean, he's got to be really just doing the rest, like, probably 90% digitally. Yeah, probably. Yeah, he's done – wow, he's done so much work. Yeah. Um, he's one of those I guys, mean, like, you, you know, yeah, he – you see his name all over, but it, for some reason it doesn't jump out all the time. You know, it's just. Um, but then, like, you go back and look, and you're like, "My God, he's been everywhere." You know, he's been on every, you know, so many different books. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's no. I mean, he he's no slouch. I mean, he's a he's a terrific veteran of the craft yeah. or of, of the medium. But yeah, I mean, his and you know, people's styles change. Yeah, no doubt. His, I think, has probably been one of the most dramatic uh, mm-hmm. flips. Like, like I said, if you if you go back to his work from the late '90s 
compared to, it, to it, now. Like basically, it, to go back twenty years, it's it a, was, it, it's like more poppy back then. Mm-hmm. You know, more yeah, more of a exaggerated yeah. In was, a way, was, you know, it's still it perfectly drawn, but yeah, you know, that's like when like Joe Mad was was yep. doing X Men and. So there was, you know, people were starting to get that manga influence. Um, and not saying he had a manga style, but, you know, he had a very, but I, I think that was kind of the Marvel house style for a while. And I think he was definitely yeah, in like, the 90s. Yeah. He, you know, his, his style was definitely leaned towards the house style that was very predominant at Marvel yeah. in those days. Kind of like for how, like for a long time, everyone, had a like um like uh a lot of artists had that soft look like um Adam Hughes, Stuart Eminent and Terry mm-hmm. Dodson. Like they all had, Oh yeah. They all looked very much alike. You know, if you look at yeah. like Stuart Eminent stuff when he was doing stuff for DC like doing a lot of Superman, it it all, it really could have been mistaken for Adam Hughes and and right. vice versa like they were you know, there was that just that style, right? Huh. Man. So, but yeah, I'm I'm I'm, I'm probably gonna check that out. That sounds like that sounds like just a, you know, a fun. It's a nice, it yeah. It's a nice one-off. You don't have to know what else is going on. You know, they set it up pretty nicely at the beginning. Like, hey, it's a special mission for Han. You know, mm-hmm. and Chewie, and um. That's pretty much all you need. <laughs> so, um, they just just recently they they've been doing a lot. Like it seems like they're doing a story arc where it's all like let's just feature a character every month. Okay, so it's been nice. Like for for that. Has it next has month been is, like? What? Oh, go, go ahead. Next month is. Oh, uh, next next month is R two D two on a rescue mission. Huh. So. That's awesome. Yeah, it, it looks like it's going to be bonkers. So, so <laughs> real quick, I'm just curious. Um, with yeah. with the uh, different characters, like single issue characters, are they rotating artists, or is it all Salvador La Roca? Um, I'm trying to remember. I think they did rotate some care some of the artists on it. Um, I think Salvador's on the next book though with R2. Um, it looks like he's carrying over, but I think because they had they just had just recently done a crossover called the Screaming Citadel, mm-hmm. and I think that there may have been a fill-in issue or something there, just for uh, you know because I think he was working on uh, this on that as well. The Screaming Citadel had like a a single issue, and then you read um, Doctor Afra and Star Wars together. Like to to get the whole story about it, so they might have gave given old Sal a a break on one of those. So okay, I'd have to look. But uh, yeah, offhand, I don't remember. All right. Yeah. So anyway. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna bring it back down to earth for <laughs> uh, for a few minutes. I'm gonna talk about. Hi-Fi Fight Club number one, and this Ooh. is from um, Boom Studios. Well, the, it's their Boom Box imprint. 
which I believe the, the boombox imprint might skew a little younger, like younger readers. But but I didn't feel like this book was, you know, like I didn't feel dumb for reading. I'm like, oh, this is for kids. Like this was this was a, a, a nice story. Um, well, to start with, let me ask you, do you remember yeah. a movie from the, I guess, the mid to late 90s called Empire Records? Yeah, you know, I don't think I ever saw it, though. Okay, like, but you but you are familiar with yeah this movie in a in a vague sense, and it was a movie about the this uh, kind of cast of characters who worked at this uh, record store. Yeah, it was wacky, you know, wacky hijinks and oh yeah, love story and all this stuff. And okay, so so for people out there who who are little more familiar with Empire Records. Um, so Hi-Fi Fight Club takes place in the late late 90s, and it's um, surrounding this small cast of characters, um, these girls that work in a record shop, and it's it's very reminiscent of Empire Records. It's almost like, what if Empire? What if the 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 uh, staff of Empire Records was a um, a group of um, teen girl vigilantes. <laughs> but <laughs> the funny thing is, you don't find this out until the very, very end. Now, I, I know the you know the the name of the book, High Fly Fight Club. You're expecting, you know, you're expecting some some fisticuffs. Um, yeah. This this book is actually for the most part for let's see the first um, let's see first twenty pages or so is mm-hmm. it's almost like a slice of life story or like just a real life story it's this it's told from the uh, point of view of the newest employee her name is Chris and she's working at this record store called Vinyl Mayhem and you're introduced to the other girls she works with and, you know, and everyone, you know, and, and, and everyone's characters, I think are pretty well fleshed out for, for it being a first issue. And the art is, the art's really nice. It's, it's definitely like a manga influence, um, mm-hmm. but it's like the, not the action manga, more like just the daily life, you know, slice life type yeah, of slice manga. Life, yeah. Um, and it's really, I mean, it's just really nice looking art. Um, and that's not even something I'm normally drawn to, but I really found myself enjoying this. And they are, you don't find out about the the Hi-Fi Fight Club until the very end when a band who's supposed to do an in-store appearance shows up and they're like, yeah, our lead singer, she went missing. We don't know what happened to her, and the girls jump into action, um, complete with there's <laughs> there's a jukebox in the back room that leads that it like opens up and there's a stairwell that leads down into the basement, <laughs> like a like a secret passage, and yeah. the new girls like what is going on, and it, it, you know and they all strike a pose and they're like, you know we're a secret teen girl vigilante fight club. And that's where it ends. Um, oh, geez. Okay. And 
so yeah, so we don't actually see, you know, we don't know if they're, you know, if they wear certain things, if they're in costume, if they have code names, if they're, or what the what the deal is, like how how are they vigilantes? Um, because there's like nothing about that part of the story has was even hinted at or fleshed out until, like I said, the last couple pages of the book. <laughs> Um, but it was it, it, it's a really cute story, and I, I really enjoyed it. I would say say the only thing that um, I, I was like I don't know that it necessarily had to be set in the '90s because it, I don't, or at least I don't feel like they took advantage of it, or because it was not set in like our '90s. It was like this fictional '90s where. Yeah. All the music and pop stars are people that they're just made up. I mean, if they yeah. if they had made it more like, oh, I just got the new whatever, whoever was popular in the late '90s, like Nine Inch Nails or the new Jewel or yeah. the new Hootie and the Blowfish or you know what I mean, like yeah, stupid stuff like that. Um, they didn't really take advantage of the fact that they were in the '90s. Now, I worked in a record store in the '90s. Yeah. And that was a glorious time. It was gloriously awesome and also simultaneously gloriously bad. <laughs> Honestly, I, I I myself have been listening to um, 90s alternative rock on Spotify for about the last month and a half. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. I'm, I'm, like, that's what I'm into right now. For, for a good probably <laughs> – five to ten years, I really couldn't listen to any 90s music. But yeah. now, I've come around. Like, I'm I'm into it. I, yeah, same thing. Like, I've got 90s channels programmed on Spotify and, and Pandora. Yeah. And yeah, yeah and I'm, I'm into it. I'm like, give me the 90s alternative, give me the 90s right. pop, give me the 90s pop. I could handle it. Right. I couldn't handle it for a long time. Um, but now, like I said, I've, I've kind of come out of my PTSD. Yeah. Um, but, you know, and so they didn't really take advantage of the fact, like I said, that they were in the 90s for any kind of pop cultural references or, like, the fashion. Like, everyone, it, like everyone in this book, they pretty much looked like they could be, it, it was almost kind of timeless, like, the fashion. Mm. Like, I didn't. Like I, I feel like this book has taken place in almost any any era. Yeah. So again, they didn't really. I don't think they took advantage of the fact they were in the '90s. Like there were some crazy fashions in the '90s, and they really should have done more with that. I think that would have. They make uh, they... just if you go out to Boom Studios to their uh, their comic page for the book. Mm-hmm. Um. They make no apologies. They're like equal parts, Empire Records, and the Babysitter's Club. Okay, uh, there you go. With uh, a little Debs, Scott Pilgrim, and Lumberjanes in there as well. <laughs> um, and then and then actually, um, one of the variant covers, and you'll like this, one of the variant covers by Brooke Allen, um, artist for Lumberjanes, is an homage to the Empire Records cup, uh, poster. Oh, okay. There you go. Yeah. That's yep. awesome. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah, this was this was a, a, a very 
just a, a just a, a fun light book. It was you know if you're looking for something that's just you know doesn't take itself too seriously. It's just kind of fun. Um, I think it's got you know there's probably more potential for uh, for some more actual you know ass kicking down the road. There wasn't anything yeah. like that in this first issue at all. Okay. So there is no fight in Hi-Fi Fight Club number one, <laughs> but I believe there will be in further issues. So, but there is you know, Hi-Fi. No, there is definitely Hi-Fi. Just <laughs> no fight, and they are a club. So there you go. So come, come for the Hi-Fi. Stay for the fight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> um. Well. Um. Hmm. Yeah, you know what? I haven't talked about Walking Dead in months. I could talk about Walking Dead. Maybe. Yeah, do for it. A minute. For a minute or two. Um. Uh, Colin, uh, first of all, Colin actually um, let me in on something. There's a variant cover this month, and uh, it's it's an awesome cover. I had to buy it. Um, variant by Lorenzo D. Felici. Um, but the uh, secret to this cover, and you'll you'll want to check this out too if you have the means. Um, but basically, it's a greenish cover, um, and it looks like. Um, I will say it's Rick basically walking through a mess of zombies down, you know, just walking down the road. They don't appear to be attacking him. He's just kind of making his way through. And it's just one of those images that, you know, I think this artist just decided, hey, this would be cool. You know, like it isn't relevant to the story or anything like that. Um, but it, down in the bottom right-hand corner, um, there's a blue signature. Uh, for the artist, and what Colin had told me is there is a pink signature variant cover, and if and I don't know if this is true. I've verified this, but this is what he read. Um, the pink signature one, which is extremely limited, has seven additional pages of comic in it. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, okay, really? Yeah, like what? what? Scott, what what <laughs> issue? What issue number is that? Uh, Walking Dead issue 171. And it's called Fear wow. the Princess. 171. Holy crap! Yeah. But I felt that was. I felt that. I'm like, that's. Let's talk about that for a minute. Um. Yeah, the variant cover. Let's see if I can pull that. Oh, so I'm 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 looking yeah, at it. Yeah, the pink. Yeah, it's on Bleeding Cool, actually. I have an article about it, so that's where it's from. I see. The, um, the, the one I'm looking at has the, the blue signature, but I no, I, I, I agree. That's a really cool, cool-looking cover. Oh, uh, it's a great look. I was like, I, I'm going to have to get that one, you know. Um, yeah, and that's the truth. Yeah, there's uh, seven extra pages from issue – oh, from issue 172 are included in 171. I guess. So they move seven pages. So you'll read it next month, or if you get the variant, you can read it now. Uh, oh, okay. But the book I, is I, I already... Found, 
The yeah, book's already over a hundred bucks. Oh, okay. Wow, that's even more. I I, I found it. It's, um, maybe this is old. I found it, it says, uh, "Yeah, Walking Dead would take signature cells for forty dollars on eBay." Right, and they keep yeah. Actually, this article um, posts yeah September seventh. It says uh, the latest amount is a hundred dollars. So. Whoa. Yeah. So it's a. So I guess that's what it is. You get a. You basically get to read next month's book in this issue if you find that variant cover um, with the pink signature. Um, so that's that's a relief in a way because I was like, well, what if it? You know, I don't like to miss any of it. You know, and if if they were like, you only the only way you can read this <laughs> is like that, that would suck. <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean, at, at least it's it's content that you will get eventually. It's not like original content like oh this is the only place you'll find this like the yeah. secret origin of you know the secret origin of Negan yeah yeah it's actually the it, it actually is an origin issue for uh princess uh this new character that they just introduced who's um you know at first at first uh read she's very annoying very annoying character um she is a princess is short for the princess of Pittsburgh. Um, mm, okay. Yeah. And what, and just in the, in the, between the last two issues, we find out that Michonne and a small group have, have traveled. They're on their way to Cleveland, I think, or somewhere to meet with another group of survivors. And they stay the night in Pittsburgh. And when they get there, um there's no there's nothing like there's no walkers there's no people you know they actually have a quiet night um i actually, don't know why yeah that I, I actually bought that issue because pittsburgh was featured pittsburgh, pittsburgh. Yeah. yeah and they you know they're still in pittsburgh because then they're, they're like well we've moved outside of town and michonne's like i want to try something and she just yells out hello uh, a couple times, and then this this young girl comes out, and her name's Princess, and she's like, "I'm the Princess of Pittsburgh," and then she's just like, you know, burp, 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 you know, like talking like crazy, and then, and and then, then she's like, just, she, she, and she's like, "You want it for Manny's?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You want for Manny's? Well, according to um, according to um. Abraham from The Walking Dead, uh, Permanis isn't worth it. So, wait, what? Sorry. Yeah, you, you, um, mean, this is, you, mean, you mean the actor or the actor? Yeah. Side note. So, side note: we went to um, Steel City Con, and um, Michael, uh, what's his name? Michael Cudlitz. Cudlitz, yeah, and uh, Josh McDermott who plays Eugene, mm-hmm. were at the Steel City Con, and we went to their panel. And um, Michael Cudlitz went on for a good five minutes about how his Twitter blew up because everybody was like, you have to go to Permanis. And <laughs> he, went, he went, and he was, he was underwhelmed. <laughs> that son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and... Uh, it's funny. It's just one of them things. Like obviously, like the internet made it, you know, made it bigger than it should have been. 
Right. <laughs> but uh yeah, so he was a little disappointed. But uh yeah. That was a funny panel. So anyway, that aside, um yeah, the Walking Dead touches on Pittsburgh and I think partly to um Kirkman, you know, wanted to do a little little nod towards George Romero. Mm. Um, you know, by visiting Pittsburgh as well. And um so yeah, it was it was an okay issue. Um they they really don't know what uh Princess's deal is yet. They don't know if they can trust her yet. Okay. Um and the and the story does kind of end abruptly, so it, it makes sense that they might that, that variant would have more pages. Um it's a weird issue. It's not it's weird how this book has changed from a horror book to you know, like a post apocalyptic uh you know, travel adventure. Um <laughs> Yeah, the, the the walkers are 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 very much secondary to to the story now. Right. Like they're they're more just like they, they might as well just be wild animals. Right. Yeah, and that's what it is too. They 'cause they're all they're always ready for them, and uh, usually they don't, you know, they've even found ways to uh, control, like, the herds and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, it's it's almost like they're a natural disaster at this point, that they just know how to um, live around them. So um, it's no longer a horror story, though, to them. It's more like we just found a way to... It's know, life. It's like living with... Yeah. Yeah, to accept a new reality, you know. Um you know, it's just basically anybody could experience. I mean, if uh you know, any kind of cataclysmic thing happened, you know, it would be the same, you know, it's the same idea where you basically have to find a new way to live. Um mm-hmm. so I think that's what the book is about now. So, yeah, it's definitely not about an apocalypse. It's definitely post-apocalyptic at this point. And, um, yeah, I don't know. Like the, it's definitely, I'm in it for the long haul, but it's definitely, uh, you know, lost a lot of momentum, you know, with, uh, mm-hmm. well, you know, like, where... like you said, it's, it's, it's not, it's, it's, it's a far cry from where the book started, you know? And, and it, yeah. like we said, you know, things certainly evolve over time, but you know, the, it's almost funny that the book, you know, I mean, the book is called what it's called. It's called The Walking Dead, but that's not even the main focus of the book anymore. You know, it's well, they had always said, like even Rick said at once that they're they are the Walking Dead. You know, like they're the ones. Well, and and, um, but, and but I, even at this point, that's not really true. Yeah, exactly. I was just about to say that because at the time that he said that, yes things were bleak. Like they were still trying to figure out how to survive when, right. when he said that, when he had that, that when he blew up and kind of had that big, yeah, it was like, like that speech dead man walking. Yeah. It, it was like that. Yeah. Um, but now it's like what it, it's this two, three or four years later. And mm-hmm. now they have started living again. Like they're not just surviving anymore. They're actually living. Right. Like they have right. to be figured out. And it's like every time there's um 
you know, some kind of colossal, you know, calamity kind of scenario, they rebuild and they come back stronger and bigger. And even though, you know, like the characters themselves don't realize it as a reader, you can see that, that all the progress they have made. Um, and I don't know if, like, Kirkman's trying to write, like, I've heard this this uh, theory that it's, like, he's writing, like, the history of man in the book, um, you know, coming up through the ages. And, um, you know, or stuff like that. You know, there's theories about what his, you know, what motivates him to write, to continue to write it. And, it's, you know, that's one of those things that, um, you know, any kind of setback that mankind has had, man finds a way, you know, to, um, you know, go beyond it. So, um, yeah, so I don't know. But, yeah, it's, yeah, there was a couple things I thought worthy of note there. So, um, <laughs> so there you go. Okay. Well, I think we we pretty much, uh, I think we're at a good point to, to stop. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I saw the, the time was uh, winding down, so. Yeah. Okay. So, um, any uh, anything? Any final thoughts? Any any last things? Any last requests? Um, hmm. I don't think so. Oh, I th- I I started watching Defenders. So hallelujah. we'll see how that goes. Yeah, hallelujah! It's about time. Yeah, Mister Wonder Woman. No, um, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Touche. No, um, Touche. You got yeah. me on that one. No, yeah, so I'm starting to get into it now. So okay, we'll see how it I goes. Actually, but I'm not it's too early to tell. Um, when Defenders was over, I actually went back, um, rewatched Daredevil season two, and now I'm rewatching Luke Cage. Awesome. Um, here's a random question: Who's your favorite character in the Defenders? Oof. Because uh, uh, I already know. I mean, I had time to think about this. That's tough. Um, in the... You mean as, like, how they... Just, just those four... Like, just looking at those four characters, which one, like, are you like, yeah? <laughs> you know, like... The one that's kind of like, yeah, that's that's the I, one. I think I, the one I look forward to seeing in action the most is probably Luke Cage. Totally agree. Like that's that's what I was thinking about it. I was like, I, I was I think, also thinking, um, as as a character, he has no he has no gray area. Um, where no, the other he, characters. No, like where he he is, you know, he says what he means, he means what he says, um, kind of guy. You know, I think the other characters are as well, but like they try to be, you know, like that way. But you know, like Matt Murdock deals with, you know, being on both sides of the law, um, and he deals with like a right and wrong in his head that he can't. You know, he needs to live in the gray, the gray area. Mm-hmm. And, um, 
you know, Jessica Jones is like that too, where she she doesn't really she doesn't she doesn't want to be a hero. Um, well, and then she doesn't she doesn't want to be happy either. Right, and then and she doesn't want to care um, about anybody. She doesn't want to feel. Yeah, where where I think Luke Luke Cage, I feel that he is the closest thing uh, in in that sense of honor. Um, and purity of mission, he's the closest to Captain America, I think, that is out there. Like, I think that he is, like, a real hero. You know, like, he's, like, um, understands the stakes and, you know, try, always tries to make that best decision. Um, well, I, yeah, I would agree with all of that. I would also say he's probably the most grounded out of all of mm-hmm. them. Like, he, he has, I mean... He's got that. He's got his demons, but I feel like he's also dealt with his demons and come. To, he's either dealt with them or he's accepted them. Like he, mm-hmm. you know, he's he knows who he is. But, but like you said, it's like um, uh, Daredevil is always going to have. He's always going to be on this mission to save his city. Um, yeah. Jessica Jones is always going to be miserable, and yeah. Iron Fist is always going to be the protector of. Kun Loon. Like he's yeah. always going to be the immortal Iron Fist. And right. they all have their, their baggage. Luke just wants to be a good a good man. Yeah, yeah. That's what I mean is he seems more he seems more like Steve Rogers than anybody else I could think of. Yeah. You know, right. as far he's, as like that that uh that level. Yeah. Of, it's 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 very you know, there's not yeah, there's not a lot of gray areas. It's it's black or white. It's it's right mm-hmm. or wrong. Right, and and hey, and let's not forget, you know, like as a bonus, the dude gets the ladies. Like, come oh, on. Oh, anytime someone says <laughs> you want to get a cup of coffee, I'm like, oh yeah, <laughs> it's on. You know what <laughs> that so means? Funny. Well, yeah. Like a wow, wow. It's so funny. But uh, but yeah, he is really like uh. He's just like, man, that guy, you know, like you, like when uh, they're walking through Harlem and, and everybody on the streets just nodding their heads at him like, yeah, you're the man, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> it's like, he is the man. I mean, think about it. When you really think about his character, it's like he is the man. Well, that's, he should that was get all my, the ladies. Like, he's, yeah. he's a great guy. That was one of my favorite <laughs> parts about um, the Luke Cage series was when um, how the community – rallies around him how he just like he doesn't wear a mask he doesn't hide he he just walks right. down the street because that's where he lives and these are his people right and, but but people know that like he's kind of the the sheriff he's like the unofficial sheriff in town right. you know if, if they have a problem go see luke cage yeah he's gonna you know? yeah you guys gotta do you have a squabble He'll, he will sort it out for you mm-hmm yeah yeah, someone someone wrongs you, go see Cage. Yeah, yeah, he will even the score. Yep. <laughs> yeah, and I and I would say that too. And you picked probably the best the best ones to rewatch because Daredevil season two and Luke Cage are probably my favorite ones. Um, yeah, out of all I, of it, I I did like Jessica Jones, but but I actually rewatched that maybe. Six months ago, it was it was it was mm-hmm. definitely before 
it was way before the defenders, but I okay. but still I think within the last year, last six to eight months, I, I rewatched Jessica Jones, so it was kind of okay. too soon yeah, for I, me to to revisit that. But um, I were I would say that I'd rewatch any of them, but I have not made it through Iron Fist. Like I just skipped it. I was like, mm-hmm. it's so boring to me. So it's it's probably okay because, um, you know, uh, he's he's actually he's written a lot better and portrayed a lot better in Defenders than he was in his own series. Yeah. Okay. So and that's what I, I've heard too. You're yeah. not really missing anything, and yeah. Um, the the important parts from the, his own series make it to the Defenders. You get Colleen Wing. Mm-hmm. You get um, that was the same uh, Bushido, and you get yeah. some. You know, you, you get the, the little bit of Kunlun um, references. So. But other than that, everything else in Iron Fist is 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 like kind of just Lord it, it, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, it's it, it's only important to that show. Whereas I feel like a lot of stuff that happened, especially in Daredevil, mm-hmm. uh, Daredevil season two, I felt like it really laid the groundwork for yeah. Defenders as far as like the hand being like the primary, oh, yeah. you know. Yeah villain yeah so okay well well uh keep watching and let me know when you're done and we can uh we right. can talk more about it <laughs> all right man. um <laughs> so that's pretty much uh, yeah that's all i got i think so okay well here i'm gonna i'm gonna do a little pimpage um let me ask you scott do you do you watch rick and morty i just started watching season three Okay. Like I've never, I've never watched a show before, but I was like, there was a marathon, and I set my DVR and recorded all of them. And yeah, I just started I think watching I have it to start. Week. I have to start watching this show, but that, that that's not why I'm at. So I'm, I'm asking because okay. there's um, the Hard Rock Cafe is teaming up with New Dimension Comics, and they're having a Rick and Morty trivia night <laughs> on. Uh, Tuesday, September 19th at 8 o'clock. Oh, cool. Down at the Hard Rock. And there's going to be, like, food and prizes. Um, I think there's going to be a prize for, like, best Rick and Morty cosplay. Oh, man. Best costume or whatever. So just putting that out there. I know Rick and Morty's kind of, like, that the thing now. Funny. Like, people love Rick and Morty. Um, so uh, the Hard Rock is starting a series of at least in the fall, um, a series of trivia nights. Um, the only one in September is going to be, uh, like I said, the Rick and Morty one. But then I believe in October there's going to be two scheduled. One is going to be Walking Dead trivia, mm-hmm. and then the other one is going to be American Horror Story trivia. Ah. So just some, some fun, you know, uh, pop culture slash nerdy stuff people to keep their eyes out for like you know it's it's starting to you know starting to get a little chilly thing you know you're not gonna be doing as much stuff outside maybe if you're looking yeah. for something to do on a on a tuesday night when there's nothing going on yeah. um you know maybe check that out yeah okay yeah i might have uh, to do that and 
see some other people down there. But, yeah, that'd be funny to see. Just watching Rick and Morty's this much, a room full of Rick and Morty's would be so appropriate for the show. <laughs> for the show, so. <laughs> all right, so, well, um, anyway. that's all I have. What about you? You good? I'm all set, yep. All right. Well, this has been Comic Book Pit, episode 256. I'm Dan. I'm Scott. And we'll see you next time.